If you're an American conservative, you know that the societal values we hold sacred are under attack. They are hanging in the balance. How can you protect those values? By staying informed. The closing argument will deliver news and supporting evidence you need to support and defend those values. Here's Paul Smith. Good morning. This is Paul Smith, your host of The Closing Argument. In this podcast, we discuss some of the important but controversial moral, political, and legal issues that affect us and our families today. I have to give you a warning. Some of the things we discuss are not politically correct, and this may offend some of you, but we will discuss them anyway. This discussion is needed to preserve our liberties, to establish the truth, and to let the world know that there are many people who challenge some of the views that are gaining acceptance in our schools, our media, and our government. Uh, I have with me as my guest uh, today, uh, Jeff Holtzinger. How are you doing, Jeff? Uh, Great. Good morning. Good. We are both attorneys and have been involved in political elected positions. Jeff is also an engineer. And we are going to continue our discussion of climate change. Um, Our prior session, we kind of introduced a a discussion of some of the science, and we're going to continue that and talk a lot about CO2 today. Now, I am not a scientist, um, but so why should you believe what I discussed? Jeff's not a scientist either. He's an engineer and a lawyer, but, but why should you discuss, believe us on climate change? Well, first of all, I'm just going to report what other scientists have said, and I have found some very reputable, uh, distinguished scientists, and and so I think you can believe my report of them as well as them. And by the way, in terms of climate change science, there is no one field or expertise that covers all the aspects of climate change. There is no scientist who is qualified by himself to to cover everything. And uh, so, in fact, whoever is an expert on climate change is going to have to be drawing on other experts. And so I, that's what I, I'm doing here. And I think that's a good point, because I think you'll hear so many people that speak and claim to be an expert on it go well outside their field of expertise and make conclusions. And then people believe it because they're a scientist that may be very well qualified in one area but not qualified in the area on which they're making conclusions and uh, people don't necessarily understand that, see that. So I think that's a very, very good point to make. In fact, I I have discussed the contents of my book with some scientists and uh, what I find is they are very reluctant to give an opinion outside their field. And, and so, you know, they have listened, you know, attentively, but but so I think the true scientist is kind of like that. And, and, right. and I, so I think some of the some of the so-called scientists that are making these conclusions outside their field are probably more politi- politicians than they are science. So, scientists. so basically, we the people are stuck. You're going to have to get your opinion from someone. You can get it from I would get it from people you trust, first of all. And and one person who has spoken on climate issues who uh, is certainly not an expert, is President Joe Biden. And on the day of his inauguration, January 20th, 2021, he he announced that the U.S. was rejoining the Paris Climate Accords. He made an executive order revoking the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline that killed 11,000 jobs right on the spot. 
He announced an indefinite halt to new oil and gas leasing on federal lands and waters. And uh, he, and he what he said this this day and on other days, he said he wants the to become the climate president. He said that that's reported in the Washington Post on January 28th. And he said, it's no time for small measures. He said, the planet is speeding towards irreversible damage. And he wants to lead the world in an effort to cut greenhouse gases. And uh, so he and he made uh, John Kerry his climate hoax or his climate well yeah his climate guy and i think you had it right first time john Kerry is a climate hoax i mean so right there today is is march 7th we're in the i think the 11th or 12th day of the invasion of the ukraine and so within the last week president or john Kerry was heard to, to complain that the fighting in the ukraine is distracting the world from the climate change crisis now i had to chuckle but it except it's really sad well the purpose of the book I wrote, The Climate Change Hoax Argument, is to expose this hoax. It is said that it is indisputable that science indisputably concludes that humans are destroying the planet through the burning of fossil fuels and that if we don't take drastic measures to curtail them within, it's now down to eight years, the planet will be irreversibly destroyed. Paul, you mentioned the uh, Paris Climate Accord, and, and as you, of course, know, President Trump took us out of that, and people were raising alarm bells, and, and that was going to be horrible, but I believe the data supported from, and maybe it's not out for his, the fourth year of President Trump's presidency, but in the third year, notwithstanding the fact that we weren't in the Paris Climate Accord, the U.S. led the world in reduction in emissions. So we we are probably the most environmentally conscious, if maybe the most, if uh, one of the most, yep. if not the most environmentally conscious countries in the world. And even though we weren't in the Paris Climate Accord, we were the leader in the reduction in emissions. I believe it was the third year of President you, Trump's presidency. I'm glad you mentioned that. And by the way, uh, I, I want to plug my book, The Climate Change Hoax Argument. You can get it at my website, cpaulsmith.com. Uh, but I include that in there. And, and the reason for the decrease in our carbon, the carbon dioxide emissions is that we're using a lot more natural gas, which uh, has much less uh, carbon dioxide emissions. So I think by the application of common sense and doing things, you know, every one of us, I think, wants to preserve the environment, preserve it for future, gen preserve this planet for future generations. So notwithstanding all the claims about what the Trump administration wanted to do, I think they were still moving forward on common sense, more sound proven methods to reduce uh, emissions and other things that that uh, help protect the environment. I, I'm with you. I just want I, I think we need to adopt and follow sound policies. And right now, the Green New Deal type approach is is filled with extreme expensive and actually uh, detrimental policies because and it's not based on science but how can you argue with an expert like alexandria ocasio-cortez who <laughs> was a bartender and waitress and has a degree in economics uh from boston university so she clearly is a climate expert and exactly. that, that's the problem in this country people are listening to people like miss uh, or what? congresswoman ocasio-cortez and she has zero expertise in climate Right. Or saw any type of science related. To so, climate. so is she is she leading the house or is Nancy Pelosi? 
Uh, I think that's a, a good question. I think it is, Mr. Kowsey, important. Um, well, uh, to give you one example of, of, of the soundness approach, when, when President Biden uh, shut down the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline, this was, it did nothing for the environment, was economically damaging, and actually is worse for the environment because it did not prevent the oil from being transferred from Canada down, you know, to southern part of uh, Maryland, uh, of, of America. It would be transported by truck and so forth. So the, the Keystone Pipeline would have uh, caused fewer emissions. And plus killing all the jobs and and are the so, similar to the fallacy with the electric cars. They they believe that all oh, these electric cars, but they fail to look at the the batteries and what happens when the batteries are at the end of their useful life, how they're disposed of and how you get electricity to charge these batteries. You're getting them from coal fired or natural fired, um, you know, power plants. So when you've dramatically increased the need for the electrical uh, grid output, if the electrical grid can even support it, you are increasing emissions by forcing even more power to be produced by these uh, coal-fired and uh, natural gas-fired power plants. Now, obviously, natural gas is probably cleaner. But again, same similar example, it's counterproductive. Uh, I, I personally uh, am in, in favor and support of appropriate solar energy and wind energy and, and other types of energy. The geothermal uh, is a very interesting one uh, that we can use. But, but, but the, the problem is, is not the use of these other uh, alternatives. It's just doing it with soundness. And uh, right now, our, our, the energy supplied to the United States, about 80% or more, comes from fossil fuels. And the rest comes from the, these green energy ones and, and a little bit from nuclear and, and so forth. But if we were to shut off the fossil fuel produced energy, we, we would destroy our economy. It's got to be done in, an, in a gradual way. And I think as the technology gets better, the market will kind of dictate when we do make some, for instance, to maybe all electric vehicles or a different way of powering vehicles. But I just... I don't think the technology is quite there yet. Yeah. So again, the uh, it, it's because of the economic problems that and the extreme cost of some of these measures that that we need to take a step back and realize that it's crazy to go forward with some of these. And and so in Biden's bring build back better plan, really that was the name. But if you look at the meat of it, it, it include too many extreme and expensive climate change projects that are are not necessary. So uh, let's get into carbon dioxide for a little bit because uh, initially the climate change movement was focusing on global warming. And when that died out, it, it switched over to carbon dioxide. And the feeling initially was that CO2 emissions in the atmosphere were causing global warming. Scientists have shown that that is not the case. Uh, and one of the biggest and most recent findings had to do with the uh, global average temperatures between actually 1998 and 2014. In this period of about 15 years, the, the uh, global warming was basically flat. There wasn't global warming occurring. But during the same period of time, it is true that the CO2 emissions were increasing steadily. And so uh, that is the CO2 increases, are they causing global warming? 
that data would indicate no. And what I'm telling you is what several scientists have said about this. Uh, an, another aspect of CO2 is, uh, well, let me ask you, what, is CO2 necessary for life on Earth? It, it absolutely is. Uh, the, the Supreme Court in, in uh, Massachusetts versus the EPA described the CO2 as a pollutant. What about that? Well, it's not. I don't think it should be classified as a pollutant. It, it is something that is used in different processes. It's plant photosynthesis, I believe. It, it's uh, so it's a very necessary part. How much is the right balance, I, I guess, yeah. and how much more, how much any increase will actually hurt versus being actually causing greater production, for instance, for plants. And you had mentioned the in greenhouses is is not a settled question so I, yeah. that's certainly something that has to be looked at but they have leaped to conclusion that any increase is bad and that's that does not appear necessarily yeah. to be the case All right. you've said a bunch bunch right there i mean calling calling co2 a pollutant is like calling oxygen a pollutant i, I mean they both are necessary oxygen for human life co2 for for plant life um and, and in fact uh dr spencer calls it the elixir of life he says uh he said this, we are at a bizarre point where carbon dioxide is considered a pollutant rather than a scarce nutrient that is necessary for life on Earth. And uh, so that's one problem. You say we don't know what the what the right um, amount of CO2 is. Scientists have shown that that today we have about 400 parts per million of CO2 in in our atmosphere, which is an increase up from about 280 parts per million that existed uh, 100 years or so earlier. So the concern is, oh my good, goodness, that's a lot, is it too much? Uh, but uh, scientists I read say that in greenhouses, they actually pump uh, uh, 1,200 parts per million of CO2 into the greenhouses because it increases, in, increases crop yield and fruit and vegetable yield. So... Um, now, another thing about, uh, I mentioned the IPCC uh, last, last time we talked about that, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. They have, in their projections, they have uh, assumed that CO2 that gets into the atmosphere remains there for thousands of years. However, uh, several scientists have shown, no, that's not the case. It, it is, doesn't stay there that long. In fact, it may not even stay there more than a decade. Um, and uh, it's interesting that some of the scientists think they're able to go back in the geological record uh, into what CO2 levels were in previous times. And um, when, if the CO2 levels get below, I think it's 150 parts per million plants and ant plants die. And so we do need a, a certain level. And uh, so the question now is, is uh, 400 parts per million too high. And, and I don't know that it is. Uh, some of us, we know that there are a lot of benefits. So it doesn't cause global warming, and we don't know that it's too high. Now, another thing about uh, CO2, first of all, it's undisputed that the burning of fossil fuels does cause CO2 emissions, okay? Uh, but what percent of the total uh, CO2 in our atmosphere is caused by the burning of fossil fuels. And this is where some of the scientists dispute it. And some of the scientists believe that it's about 5%. And that therefore, what we do with that 5%, even if there's a lot of CO2, 
emitted by fossil fuels. That would have a, basically almost a negligible effect on the total world CO2. So again, I'm not the scientist on this, but some scientists have found that. And so that's a very significant um, finding. Now, there's something else too. There is, uh, is believed that the presence of water vapors has a multiplier effect on the CO2 in the atmosphere. And while I'm not an expert in this, some recent studies have uh, discounted this multiplier effect so that some people say, well, you're, you're up to 400 parts per million, but that's like having 1,200 parts per million. And recent studies have, have uh, challenged that and say that, no, they don't think it's, there may be a, a slight multiplier effect, but it's not that significant. Where, so if, if the human uh, CO2 emissions from fossil fuels and breathing and so forth, if that's only a small percentage, where does the rest of the CO2 come from? Do you know? I, I don't know the, the answer, but I think some there were some studies that showed uh, the ocean or d different areas might have been producing, been a cause of a lot of this. That's uh, very good. So according to Plimmer, a 2009 study, uh, there are, he says there are more than 10,000 earthquakes each year, which outgas CO2 in the atmosphere. Atmosphere. He said that this source is not considered by the IPCC models. And of course, water covers 70% of the earth and, and most of the volcanoes. Uh, he's, one of them said that about 85% of the volcanic and, and earthquake eruptions come from volcanoes under the, under the water. And so those emissions, they eventually rise to the surface through the water and but they have been uh, accounting for them was not included in the IPCC studies. This is a significant emission. So um, it's telling that they don't want to have a debate on these things. They just want to to believe their conclusion because they I think they probably realize they're not going to you know necessarily win the argument if they base it on science on a broad you know on all the the, the facts that are involved in making that conclusion. So the ultimate question on CO2 increases is, is are we having too much CO2? And, um, and that is certainly disputed. Uh, a number of, of reputable scientists say, no, we're not having too much. And, uh, and uh, that some have say that 400 parts per million is a tipping point some of the scientists dispute that. So again, in a radio broadcast, it's hard to give references, but I would refer you to my book. It's 116 pages and has a lot of sources for virtually every finding that I've, I've mentioned. Uh, it's not a long book, but it would be very helpful for someone who's trying to get into this initially. And Paul, you'd think if, if uh, this certainly isn't a, um, I guess, a... Um, defining study on this, but if, if greenhouses use 1200 parts per million and 400 is a tipping point, according to some folks, how would anybody survive going into a greenhouse? And certainly people have to go into greenhouses. Mm -hmm. So that would seem to dispel that some. I, yeah, what I read about uh, CO2 causing global warming, I want to just mention uh, briefly uh some think there's a very wide consensus that it does cause global warming. Some dispute it and say that actually it follows global warming when it does occur. 
Um, but but I don't but I but that this increase in CO2 causing catastrophic climate problems that is seriously disputed by many scientists uh, in in I think it was uh, oh forget the year I think it was 2006 I may be wrong on the year there there was a report uh, by the uh, one of the one of the Cong- congressional hearings on climate change and there was a minority report it's interesting the divide at that time uh, was pretty close to 50 50 there are slightly more people that went with the majority report believing that humans were causing climate change. But a, a significant minority, close to 50%, disputed that. Thousands of scientists disputed that. Uh, nevertheless, the, the, uh, the climate change lobby seemed to run with this and treat it like a 100% mandate. Actually, they'll say a 97% mandate, which also is not true. We'll talk about that next uh, in another time. Uh, so just see if I have a couple other thoughts. Well, no, that's about it. Um, did you have anything else to say on CO2? No, just another example of, you know, taking uh, information and manipulating and failing to consider any information that it runs counter to the, the uh, conclusions they want to make. So just in, in conclusion, I would also say the, the, that CO2 emissions are causing irreversible and catastrophic climate change uh, has not been established. Neither has the human role in the production of CO2 been established as causing this. It's time for a, a debate on this. And when President Biden and others say that the science is settled, they're not they're not right. They're wrong. And before we um before we pass uh, devastating economic measures that will prevent people from having the benefits from uh, inexpensive fuel and and do these things that will hurt the economy we ought to make sure we get it right that's all we have for today thank you for joining us remember the liberties we enjoy in america can be maintained only when its citizens are moral and informed participants in the democratic processes closing argument can help us to do this. We'll see you next time. This is Paul Smith.